what you're watching. Got a problem with part two? Welcome to another episode of Cartoon Night in Canada, a nostalgic journey to dig through decades of animation to find the good, the bad, and the just plain weird of Canadian cartoons. I'm your co-host, Chris Antonio. And I'm your co-host, Sylvie Kettles. And we are back on the national side of things and doing a our second of a growing tradition of National Film Board Showcases. There's so much to go through. It's true. It's true. Uh, yes, this, this may be a way to prolong the show with the incredible archive that the nfb provides us uh but you know if we want to present ourselves as people who are trying to explore the great wide world of canadian animation i think we said on the first nfb showcase it would be grossly incomplete without occasionally dipping back into the nfb imagine just trying to talk about canadian animation and then not ever even acknowledging that this archive exists i think it would be an interesting uh ambition to try and swing that i would not want to try i would not want to try at all because I, we said it we said it last time it's a, there is no canadian animation like industry as we know it today without the many contributions and support of the national film board and i yeah i'm just here for it i'm glad we're doing it again uh and we are continuing a strange curational theme, I guess we want to call it, with these episodes, wherein... I pick something incredibly charming and delightful. And in response, I pick a very bitter, cynical, and crushing reality dose. To be completely fair, though, uh, I would have picked Neighbors for the last one if you hadn't beat me to it. Would you have picked the one I picked this week no. if I hadn't beat you two? Yeah, no, so I would there not we go. Have. Yeah, I, I guess we can call these uh, these NFB showcases like it's following that saying. You know, a little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down. So uh, in, in this, this case, case uh, we needed a lot of sugar, and uh, I, I I rose to the challenge. I think yes. Uh, in this case, a silly folk song helps a, a crushing portrayal of addiction go down easier. Maybe, I don't know. Let's just get into it. Oh, Canada. But I don't like to waltz with the log driver For he goes burning down and down like water That's where the log driver learns to step lightly It's burning down and down like water The log driver's waltz pleases girls completely When the So I picked over, the uh, like 1979... John Weldon uh, short, The Log Driver's Waltz. Um, so it's based on a folk song by the Brantford singer-songwriter Wade Hemsworth. Um, though not he was not a very prolific songwriter, he only had about 20 credits to his name, including this one. Um, he mostly lent his compositions to a folk group known as the Mountain City Four, 
And so the Log Driver's Waltz was, uh, specifically this version was recorded uh, by Kate and Anna McGarringle. Um, he, he worked with the two of them a lot in, uh, in a lot of his music. Such lovely voices. Um, True. So uh, Weldon, so John Weldon took this version of the song uh, and applied it to basically just put it animation to the literal song. So uh, this came about. Um, uh, so in 1977, CBC's children's programming contacted the NFB and asked them to produce uh, several short films to use as in-between uh, programming. Um and several ended up becoming like almost a hundred. These shorts were produced between 1977 and 1980. Uh, they ran for one to five minutes and they would just be used as interstitial programming uh, as a series called Canada Vignettes. Um, the most creative so... <laughs> name ever for this project, by the way. Yeah, they're just little glimpses of quote unquote Canada-ness. And so they would be used, uh, they'd be aired on CDC, CDC, CBC. Um, the Center for Disease Control? Yeah, you know, the, the CDC is just, like, really into Canadian animation and folk songs. So they were just like, I think this will get people to um, get vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. They just needed the right folk song to really convince all the anti-vaxxers out there. <laughs> I mean, I think folk songs are a lot more useful than people give uh, give them credit for. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that, but uh, please continue. <laughs> uh, so this particular one, uh, God, is the the log driver's waltz is probably the most famous of all of the Canada vignettes. I think that is even not even up to debate. Like yeah. this was, uh, according to the NFB itself, like the most requested to to the point where like its popularity kind of kept the Canada vignettes legacy alive. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's so, it's so charming and lovely and like, it's definitely the only one I have any specific memories of seeing on CBC. Yeah, it's probably where I saw it too. Whether it was as interstitial programming or, um, I mean, sometimes Sunday mor CBC Sunday morning would like do stuff about Canadian broadcasting history because obviously it's the CBC. Um, so I, I could have seen it through one of those. And then even when we were in uh, university, I remember one of our professors specifically bringing, using the Log Driver's Waltz to just talk about Canadian animation and going, ah, oh, shit, I remember that little guy. Yeah, exactly. And this, the whole idea of the, um, the, the Canada vignettes, it's, it's in a long line of really short interstitial programming uh, funded mostly by the NFB to, again, promote this idea of Canadian-ness to, uh, to, to the public. Uh, like, so there was this stuff, which wasn't, uh, which only really played on the CBC, but then we had like the Heritage Minutes, the Hinterland Who's Who, if you remember those. Oh yeah, I remember those. So yeah, like it's, uh, th th this is the thing that the NFB was uh, heavily involved in, uh, as per their, you know, original stated mission from their conception. Yeah, uh, and the Long Driver's Waltz is an interesting choice, uh, but I just think this film's delightful. It's it's so lovely, and I, I did pick it because I, I do have uh, personal reasons for loving it. 
it's it makes me think of my my great grandfather when he came to Canada from from Finland. Uh, his main job was as a log driver uh, up in uh, a logging camp called Pakasa, which is now a provincial park. Um, so he, Do you think he people know what log driving is? Any now? I mean, probably not. <laughs> it is weird to think that there were guys whose job was to literally just send logs down the river and make sure that they didn't like get caught on the shoreline or anything and uh yeah just make sure that they got where they needed to go so uh so that they could be just hauled out and either shipped away or like um i know that downriver from from that camp very far downriver there would have been a, a a few paper mills so some of those logs could have been going all the way down there but like, yeah, that was just somebody's job was to make sure logs didn't get stuck because it was faster to use the river than to haul all of the logs to a train station because these guys are in the middle of nowhere. They're in the middle of the woods cutting down trees and then going, okay, now we got to get this to a port town where it can go somewhere. Yeah, it was, it was the most efficient way like in, uh, in like the North American setting, specifically Canada, because of our like really dense and intersecting river system that crisscrosses the country. It's like, this is the, uh, the most inefficient way was to hire a bunch of locals to, after the, after the trees were cut down to ride them down the river, essentially. Yep. Just what a time to be alive. Right. Uh, Just a time where you could just show up somewhere and be like, I need a job. Give me a job. I can, I will do things for you. And then, to just be like, you're hired. And that was the story with your grandfather. <laughs> yeah, he showed up from Finland and was like, need a job. Uh, I have I have a wife and child. Is it okay if I bring them with? And they're just like, yeah, okay, cool. Your your grandfather, was he was he a dancer? I I like to think so. Uh my momo his daughter, my momo, certainly was a dancer. That was that was her favorite pastime. So I, I like to think that the light-footedness of the log dancer or log driver <laughs> runs in my veins. That log driver, log dancer. I mean, the, the whole point, the, the, the whole like theme of the song is that he's looking at the, the, the he's looking at these people who are driving the, the, the logs down the river. And it's like, well, their intricate footwork they, is kind of like a waltz. They've got to be great dancers. They must please girls completely. Do we want to get? Yeah, let's 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 just get right into that. This the song is kind of horny. It's as as far as folk songs go, it is deeply horny. I, I've heard some horny folk songs in my day, but that's a, that's another story. But like the the whole idea is that uh, the, the story of the song is that uh, a like a fair maiden in this logging town is driven completely mad with erotic lust over a lumberjack tip-tapping his way across the logs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and and they go through the whole story of, like, she's trying to, you know, please her parents by at least entertaining the idea of courting a doctor or a lawyer or some guy with money. But they're all, you know, clumsy motherfuckers who just she cannot be bothered with. Uh, which... If if we're going with this metaphor, means, I mean, they couldn't find the clitoris. I mean, that, that's uh, that was uh, the the point of Wade Hemsworth's songs is that, uh, oh, like o- only a lumberjack can fix what ails you. 
so to speak. <laughs> what? What? Um, What's so funny? <laughs> There, no. there is, this is a classic, like, stereotype in, like, bodice novels and women's romance novels where it's like, oh, the burly lumberjack uh, can yeah, can the, fuck you quite good. The, but also, the... on top of that, on top of that, mm. they are graceful motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. Elegant. I love, too, that the, so in this, in this short, it opens with uh, live action footage of log drivers, and then it transitions. Oh, I love that. And transitions into the animation, and I love it so much, especially because it's like, yeah, these are these are fairly elegant movers and shakers <laughs> on the logs, like especially because those bad boys roll. Um, they go burrowing down the white waters, yeah. like, and, and and like on top of that, like when that transition from the like because as you said, the short opens up with some black and white footage uh, of actual log driving before it transitions into the kind of pastel colored uh, animation of John Weldon. But for, for no reason, there is like three seconds of rotoscoping. Yeah. yeah which is like just, those, I, it's gorgeous. I was fixated on that little portion and I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah. Just cool. Cause it's, it would be very difficult to transition from a human being to that little, that caricature that we get for the majority of it. And so you, yeah, yeah. You have to have that sort of in between bit, and it's absolutely gorgeous. It is, and from there, it it goes into uh, kind of like Welton's signature uh, caricature style, and that I was just uh, floored by the the sense of motion and propulsion this entire cartoon has. Uh, it it feels so fluid. Yeah, it's like constantly moving forward, uh, moving al- along with the river. Uh, and Weldon's just got this absolutely bonkers style that I, again, welcome to uh, Sylvie's Conspiracy Theory Corner. Um, oh, no, not this corner. That this was, like, the lead in influence, that Weldon was the main influence for um, that uh, Red Bull animation style for those cartoons, the old Red Bull gives you wings. Ah, okay, I can kind of see it. Yeah, it just, it feels so deliberately similar and that would make sense like uh the log driver's waltz again the most famous uh canadian canada vignette it it won the an oscar in 1979 for or no sorry weldon uh won an oscar in 1979 for another one of his shorts like so weldon's art style is out there outside of canada even it's famous in the right circles so i i would mm-hmm. not be surprised at all if other animation students were picking up on this and then one of them went and worked on the red bull commercials yeah it's uh it's it's a way that uh specifically thinking of like the red bull commercials i mean those aren't as colorful as this but in in the way that you can see almost all of the the brush strokes in in weldon's art style and and the many ways of caricature it works around in that in that vein yeah. like that's what that's what i think of when i think of the, the red bull comparison you're you're putting out there well that and uh line wiggliness well yes uh not necessarily squiggle vision because that wasn't uh, that wasn't nope. invented yet but this is line a precursor to it <laughs> yes line wiggliness that is that is the, the jump- official academic word but like and this is kind of a unexpected comparison between this and our second film which we'll get into later but 
the the multiple kinds of animation techniques used in this because it's not only uh the that rotoscoping at the beginning and the live action footage obviously but there's also like a single kind of like point of view shot of the the lead lumberjack character who i don't think has a name going down the river and it's very clearly like a live action footage of like a boat trip going down a river yeah like that that is drawn over you are on the river yeah like this is kind of like the the uh, hack kind of observation of all animation is that it's an incredibly complex art form for such frivolous material or like you know silly material. That's, and that's this kinda is kind of what I love about it. Yeah, th- this is a very silly cartoon, but it's like all of all of the technique is on the screen. And yeah, there's you look there's for a it lot of skill on display here. It's mind blowing too. Yeah. <laughs> So let's yeah. talk a let's talk a bit about the song itself. Um, okay. Wade Hemsworth, uh, the forgotten patriarch of the Hemsworth Hollywood clan. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. Uh, but <laughs> I was gonna say this is like definitely Chris Hemsworth's like secret great uncle or something. Yeah, like a, I mean, you, you've seen Hemsworth. You don't get that. You don't get the kind of like muscle definition from acting alone. You got you got to be a log driver. I don't think I don't think Wade Hemsworth was. A log driver himself was he no not at all he just he just had a he stole their valor i guess <laughs> but yeah uh the song itself is uh insanely catchy uh especially that um that that harmonious chorus uh but i and this is just my issue with it none of it rhymes absolutely not folk songs don't have to rhyme but also i like it when they do <laughs> That's yeah, just it, me it, being a basic music lover. Yeah, there's there's a few uh, slant rhymes, I'd say. Uh, like, you could definitely make an argument that lightly and completely, and then even in the yeah, yeah, verse, you've got toes and yours. <laughs> Stretching it's it even like, more. It's like, that's, this is some Emily Dickinson level. <laughs> level. Is that a rhyme? The answer is no, but I, I don't want to pull a rhyming dictionary dictionary on the skeleton of wade hemsworth what will that get me i feel like there's a joke there and i can't find it a shame so actually actually like uh, going back into uh the the lyrical analysis of this portion of our breakdown of the log driver's waltz Mm -hmm. uh one specific line in the course uh really confirms it to be a horny, filthy old man song, which is the log driver's waltz pleases girls completely. Yeah. Uh, specifically, no. from her head to her toes. <laughs> there's double entendre, and then there's just... Horny. This. Yeah, there's just this. This is, uh, there, this is no subtext. This is text. Uh, we, we, the jury, uh, find the song. Horny. <laughs> what do you think of... Uh, the Mountain City Four's uh, vocals. I like their voices. I think that it's lovely. It, they've got like that that airy quality that you look for in folk songs, where it sounds like they are sitting down around a campfire and singing the song for fun. Yeah, and speaking of that kind of like airy quality, like my my impression of that from the from what you're talking about there is uh, another Canadian folk legend, uh, Stan Rogers. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah, he was a he was around at the same time releasing music, but 
if the Canada vignettes had one based on one of his songs, I mean, that would, that would be competing with Log Driver's Waltz as the most popular, I think. I want, I want someone to animate a thing about the Mary Ellen Carter. I want that now. <laughs> NFB, can we bring back the Canada vignettes just for one? Just for that one, or like maybe, you know, White Squall or the the idiot and any of them just just take yeah. your pick like much like wade hemsworth i imagine uh stan rogers was a bangers only kind of musician yeah he he didn't write a lot but when he did bangers only which is which is kind of incredible like uh because I, I i think uh you mentioned that he had like about 20 credits to his name like two albums and a lot of donated songs specifically in the mountain city four but like yeah uh, he, Long Driver's Waltz is kind of iconic. Yeah, in that in that case, he he was a bit of a one hit wonder. Like now, like if we lo- if we're looking back on him from now, it's like the Log Driver's Waltz and nothing else. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Like I wouldn't even say in his day he he wouldn't he wouldn't have been a household name, but he wasn't a nobody. No, definitely not. And um, wh- where I was originally going with that was like uh, the. How do you pronounce it? Like some McGarrigal sisters? Yeah, McGarrigal. Yeah, they have incredible voices, which re- really adds that kind of like flighty, silly quality to the to the show itself, and the animation complements it beautifully. Yeah, it's it's very bright and and jovial, and it just it works. Yeah, I think we were talking about like uh, where we might have seen it, and it's most likely on CBC. Um, or being shown in class because I, I, I do have like some memory of a social studies, uh, course sometime in high school or even grade school where this was played. And when we were trying to like navigate that tricky question of Canadian national identity, shucks, what is Canadian? Eh, I mean, like that's the whole point of the Canada vignettes uh, yeah. initiative was to kind of explain Canadianness to everybody and the log driver's waltz was an attempt yeah i mean that's we are a nation of horny lumberjacks <laughs> i'll take that why are you laughing at our countrymen <laughs> no no i'll take it i like it <laughs> you know we've really got our our global um image is definitely still that one of politeness um I think we need to, to change it. I think I think we need to be seen as a lot hornier in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, like the, the reputation of the French. <laughs> yes, that, 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 is, that belongs to Canadians now. That is that is ours now. D- due to uh, a short from 1979, based on a folk song. Yep. That that stands in for our entire national identity. We are just a clan of skit scatting. Dancing lumberjacks who, who fuck good. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, um, I am absolutely terrified of underwater logs, so I don't think I can really uh, reach that peak <laughs> performance that is required. Uh, so, I, I had this in my notes, and I didn't know where I was actually going to be able to bring it up, but... The whole idea of log driving and sending uh, logs down the, the riverway as a way to get it from the cut point to the sawmill. All mm-hmm. I was thinking about, 
and this is just, just I guess the way my brain works was um, the alternative, which is strapping all the logs to a transport truck and driving it down uh, the highway, which got me thinking about Final Destination 2. Oh, God. Yeah, well, we can get there. But the main problem with that alternative that you've just brought up is that they have to get the trees out of the woods. Yeah, but also, <laughs> also the real possibility of a Final Destination 2 thing happening, wherein these logs are then just propulsed at oncoming traffic. Yeah. That don't happen with a log driver. It don't. God, I saw someone driving so close behind a logging truck on the highway, like, two weeks ago. And, like, to date, that is still my first instinct every time I see a logging truck. It's like, why... I'm getting into the other lane. <laughs> Fuck this truck. I am not going to get final destination today. And every time I see someone else not getting into the other lane, it's like, well, you're taking your life into your hands there, bud. Uh, to, to somewhat tie it back to um, the log driver's waltz, uh, I believe that scene from Final Destination 2 is longer than the entirety of Weldon's film. Oh, I guarantee. One sec. Okay. Let me just, I'm just going to do, okay, so the Log Driver's Waltz is like three minutes. Oh, it's its so close. I just looked it up. Uh, the the Final Destination 2 scene is like three minutes, 15 seconds. Oh. So very close. Okay, well, if we are. <laughs> what a stupid thing. How did we get here? I, I really tried to force uh, this observation into well, our discussion of a super delightful NFB short. Yeah, I mean, I think we got here because I mentioned logs specifically. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we did not, what we did not mention is the use of uh, log as a metaphor for schlong. We can bring it back to horny. Let's bring it back to horny. I mean, there's nowhere else to go with uh, this waltz, as we say. Um, yeah, it's, it's there. That, that, yep. that is, that is kind of what the song is about. Uh the log driver drives logs through the river, which is gushing white. What the fuck? <laughs> you did not need to bring gushing into this. No, the the, the cartoon did. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. And <laughs> looking back at these, at at the at the, like the the live action footage at the beginning, like these guys look fine. Like, like, yeah. but they're oh, not, okay. and even, even the cartoon guy, it's like, with his, uh, big Norwegian kind of beard. You saying you got a problem with Norwegian beards? Not at all. I mean, it's clearly working for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got all the women in this town just lusting after him. This, this opening, the live action bit truly does read like a horror movie to me. <laughs> I cannot explain why these things are frightening to behold, but my god. <laughs> uh, oh, one, one thing I didn't, uh, that was in my notes, uh, something I really, really liked. There was like a single joke where as he's going down the river, someone hands him like a step chart. And yeah. as he's jumping. And then he puts it on the logs. Yeah, as he's jumping across those logs, it's like, here are the steps to this waltz. And it's like, yeah, that's that's a really funny little bit there. I, I appreciate that like in this shot, some of the um some of the steps, like the lines in between them, look like they do involve either you going underwater or you flipping the, the log at some point. 
No, it's it's always a risk of log driving. Yeah. Yeah, I I imagine that was, you know, a frequent cause of death is oh, fell off log. Lost and another am... one to careless log dancing. <laughs> it's a serious business, despite the despite the way that Weldon portrays it. Yes. I mean, like pretty much anything involving felling massive logs and trunks is going to pose a not insignificant amount of threat to your person. I am just a so I, I have the the shard on in, in the background, like on silent right now, yeah, and I I am just I am just in awe of how Weldon animates the footwork. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. It's so subtle in like uh, and again it's it's so fast you can barely notice the, the intricacies of it but when you really just focus on that one aspect it's like that that took a lot of time uh someone someone should really show this to rob leefield and just be like I'm hey, sorry. hey look at look at how much fun this guy was having drawing feet you coward <laughs> sure <Okay. laughs> that's it <laughs> <laughs> I just just oh. hitting the low hanging fruit. Oh, and and also like right at the end of the short when it transitions back into like the rotoscope watercolor mm-hmm. uh, of like a- of actual logs being going down a river. It's it's just gorgeous. It's it's deceptive. It's a deceptive little short in that like it's there's a lot more artistry and like some really complex moving parts going on here when on the surface it's just very silly yeah kids can't appreciate how how intricate the animation is and how horny this song is yeah i think it even it transitions like into a watercolor painting like watercolor animation by the end yeah yeah that's uh that's like how they did the rotoscoping at the end there it's it's uh, absolutely gorgeous and the point of view shot moving up to uh the caribou that's also all watercolor, and I I had I had a note somewhere where like uh, specifically about how long it, it took to animate this, and how much not how much it cost, but how long it took to animate it, and I I, I don't think I put it in my notes, but rest assured it took time. Time was taken. Well, do you remember that um, do you remember that uh Vincent Van Gogh uh film from from like twenty sixteen or something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Loving Vincent. Yeah, uh, twenty seventeen. Sorry, where like it was rotoscoped, but also every frame was a, a real painting. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm saying that Loving Vincent is like the extreme spiritual successor of the Log Driver's Waltz. <laughs> you can put them in a continuum. I don't think that's out of that. I, mean, I think it's completely out of the question. The log driver's waltz to loving this Vincent pipeline is very real. And that's that on that. Oh, yeah. Is there anything else to say um, after that? It, it, that seems like a a hell of a button to close out on. Yeah, you know that's you know what that's that's my um I'm, that's my closing argument. Uh, so so Chris, you decided to uh, break us today, huh? Well. Yes. So, let's just get into that right away. But I'm getting off the subject here, I'm afraid. This story is about Ryan.
So for my portion of our second NFB showcase, uh, completely by accident, but continuing the trend of light, entertaining fair mixed with cynical, deeply affecting, bleak shit, uh, I went with Chris Landreth's uh, Ryan. So Ryan is an animated documentary that was released in 2004. It takes as its subject the once promising star of the Canadian animation scene in the late 60s and early 70s, uh, Ryan Larkin, and probes into how he fell on hard times and found himself panhandling on the streets of Montreal after a chance meeting I believe Landreth had with him in, I want to say around 2000. So the bulk of the the film, it takes the, takes the form of an interpreted interview with Larkin his loved ones and his co-workers or from his past working at the NFB actually, as well as with Landreth himself. And it aims to portray like the turbulent interiorities of its main subject through suggestive, abstract, provocative, and deeply complex animation, which I'm sorry, we won't really get into how it works because well, neither of us really understand it. Um, we, we do not have the brain cell. Today. No, we, we it's it, it's kind of a mind-breaking film uh it's to watch it unfold it's so viscerally affecting and mind-meltingly intricate that it's it, it's hard to describe even but we're gonna we're gonna try uh and the film was created at the animation center at seneca college yeah so i picked a downer as i am wont to do you did so let's uh let's begin at the be at the start here were you aware of Ryan Larkin before Ryan came out? Uh, well, I'm not sure if I knew about, like, the film Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, that's, that's a weird way you've worded that. I knew about Ryan Larkin's work before I saw the film Ryan. Ah, uh, okay. But that happened, like, the film was out. Okay, that's <laughs> fair. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the other thing is, like, why I asked that is because I know, because uh, as a trend throughout all these episodes is that I was the Teletoon guy, you were the YTV person. Yes. And that, that's how our dynamic of children's cartoon watching kind of molded us into who we are. And occasionally, Teletoon, uh, specifically the Detour, their nightly primetime programming, would showcase a couple of, like, more experimental and adult animation and that's where i first saw ryan it's uh they broadcasted on teletoon oh wow <laughs> and i was absolutely too young to see that because I, don't, I can't remember how old i was at the time but i remember being deeply upset after watching this film not yeah. even because of the not even because of the content just because of how it looks and moves and how it dips into a perverted version of the uncanny valley yeah, it's it's a very unsettling piece visually like even if you don't dig into the oh these people are wearing the like these symbols or metaphors of their own trauma in this world where like people are broken and so pieces of them have fallen apart or like there's things coming out of them like it's it's visceral like why would they air that on teletoon it, it was part of their late night block so it wasn't intended for me 
at that age. But yeah, so, yeah, I did, are, you're going to find it. I'm going to find it. And I did. And I regret it at the time. Mm-hmm. But I guess we should get into that aspect of how it looks and moves in that um, the, the way that Landreth has described his approach to uh, Ryan, the film, was he wanted to do a version of animated psychological realism, wherein the style itself reflected the, I won't say character, but like the subject's interiority. And mm-hmm. due to Larkin, who has a long history since uh, since uh, like uh, 72 or like in the mid 70s when uh, he fell off, so to speak, from his promising animation career, he dipped into a lot of into a lot of trauma and related to both addiction and just misfortune. And it's all rendered on the character model itself, which is shown to be fragmented broken and kind of hard to even discern the human underneath it all yeah and i mean that's you can you can get really artsy and say well that's kind of how a lot how people are where it can be hard to look at a to see a person beyond their their past beyond especially things like addiction where it's hard to look at someone who either is addicted or has been addicted in the past and not see that as part of who they are Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a it's a very humanizing portrayal of Larkin through that through this interview that they did or multiple interviews rather. There's like apparently twenty hours of audio that was oh whittled into this film that we see, and the 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 manner in which uh, Landreth presents Larkin not only as is like once not like as a fallen man, and that's not the beginning and end of it, but also in how he's very humbled but bitter. And mm-hmm. and trying to g- both give him another shot or let him tell his story, but also how he sees how he sees a potential future for himself in Larkin, and I, this I, it's so hard to describe this film because it's a documentary about a lot of things. It's about this legendary animator on the brink of destruction, but also it's about addiction. It's about legacy. It's about a kinship it's- like among creators and also. A promise, the a portrait of a promising one on the rise, and his fear of his insecurities. It's a lot to cram into ten minutes. <laughs> oh, it's a fourteen actually. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's a lot. It is. It, y- yeah. You are absolutely a lot. Right. It's a, it's not only just this talk therapy session with a broken man, wherein Landreth wanted to portray what he felt were all of his, like all, all this man's. Uh, baggage so to speak but also it's this really moving kind of portrait of relationship between some like a creator and someone who admires him and hates to see them going through like and not necessarily wasting their potential but falling so hard from a once promising high yeah and it it does also speak to a lot of the fears and insecurities that that creators that artists have especially in such a precarious industry as animation where you can be the next big thing and then there's a question of well what even is what what is it worth to be the next big thing i mean uh, larkin himself goes into a very very bitter rant about how like pay me <laughs> yes and that's I and mean... that is the brutal reality is there's just so little money in being even an iconic animator. 
that that's the thing this film kind of dances around is that like at one point Larkin was nominated for an an Academy Award for his 1968 film Walking and he is now panhandling on the streets of Montreal. Yeah. So what what good does that accolade do him? Yeah, he he can say, "Hey, I was nominated for an Academy Award. Got any spare change?" I I I love how again it's it's uh speaking to Larkin's really humble kind of look at his life where it's like yeah so i was nominated for an academy award but i guess everybody gets nominated for an academy award at one point (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's good and 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 the way that 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 section of the film like how it's talking about uh him going to the academy awards dressed in his like late 60s early 70s kind of very style hippie vibes yeah, and like, and how this film constantly shifts between these animation techniques, where it's like, it it has those kind of like hand drawn vectors, uh, and a lot of rotoscoping in in that also, but also like that cutout style, and obviously the three D rendering of the characters, which was done in uh, Maya. Uh, there's just so much to go through this, and I knew we weren't going to do this film justice, but you know, how can you? We'll get a, we'll have to do a a, a reboot, <laughs> return to to ryan i mean there were I, other... I mean... sorry yeah no, yeah no uh so yeah we could look at spare change uh which larkin worked on before his death and then we could use that as, as an excuse to come back to ryan yeah i guess and even to jump off that to the the actual impact that this film had uh that ryan the 2004 film had is that it really actually revitalized larkin's career like yeah, he it was did in give him a second chance. He went from a position of obscurity, again begging for money on the streets, to getting multiple offers from like uh like MTV Canada to do bumpers for their programming as well as um offers to finally do another film which he has not worked on since uh se- he hasn't done any animation since 72. Yeah, so to jump from like 1972 to suddenly it's 2006 and you're working in animation again, like, that is al- almost 30 years of animation uh, development that's just passed you by. Like, that must have been incredibly overwhelming. Which is which is why I can't really, like, because um, there are some uh, critiques or talks uh, talk about Landreth and the potential uh, possibility he was exploiting Larkin. Even though Larkin gave him his complete blessing uh, to use the audio however he wanted, there is uh, a famed famous reaction from Larkin after seeing the film where he was deeply pained by how he portrayed his how how Landreth portrayed his like psychological interior and how disconnected and broken it made him look. But also, the film kind of worked. Yeah, like, it, it achieved its goal. It it pushed Larkin into creating again. Um, according to Larkin himself, uh, he did clean up to an extent. Uh, he wasn't so he, he wasn't so dogged by his addictions anymore. Uh, apparently, he did k- kick alcohol to work Good on spare change. Yeah, exactly. And and I even love how so there's that climatic climactic moment uh, in Ryan wherein uh, Landreth kind of confronts him about his alcoholism and Larkin explodes on him. Mm-hmm. And he, even Landreth is kind of acknowledging how 
how shitty that is or how how much it put, put positions him above Larkin because it has that like joke up here above his head where it's like halo mm-hmm. where it's like I'm the, the I'm the good shatters. natured person yeah I'm this good natured person tr- trying to pull uh, a once promising creator out of the skids and give yeah, him another chance and him. it's like and Larkin explodes on him and says I don't care and yeah. that's that's a hard thing to really accept there yeah it's hard to convince yourself that you're doing the right thing and then to have reality hit you in the face and be like no your your help is not wanted at this time and that, then that that was never the the point of the interview mm-hmm. like we're talking and about that's... your life not trying to this is not an intervention or it shouldn't be used as an intervention and i and i love that honesty uh both from mm-hmm. landreth and larkin it's like that's a bitter pill to swallow, but the way that he expresses it through the animation and like when Larkin really explodes on him, all of a sudden all these spikes come out of his character model and and it's a very subtle touch, but like Landreth, uh, the the twine that is uh, on Landreth's model that's uh, representing his insecurities more appear in Titan. Yeah. Like th- this is a... This specific short deserves like a podcast all its own, where it's like a minute by minute breakdown <laughs> of, of just every single of, shot. What does every single uh, little trauma represent? Because like to to produce this, it 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 came close to like a million dollars, and and it's all on screen because they do so much. Like not only with the really experimental character models and the way they deform and deviate from their like base model but also in like e- even in this like setting how within maya like all the smear effects and rotoscoping to really represent this not just like photorealism but like surreal kind of environment that's reflected of their of their uh psychology there's just so much to get into and it's gorgeous it is beautiful i love this film <laughs> yeah it's definitely gonna be a film that i'm gonna return to a few times you know, whenever I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it has a, it has a positive ending, right? <sighs> kind of. It's, yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, we can, we can firmly say that it is a film that did a lot for the legacy of Brian Larkin. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, we never mentioned uh, yet, because uh, I, I don't think we're done talking about this, because there's, again, so much, so much we could say. There's a lot. Um, the, the way that the kind of fragmented, like, half-rendered body models were inspired by the, the Body Worlds exhibition that was touring around. Oh, yeah. And have I'm, you ever seen I that? definitely, I have not seen Body Worlds, um, but I, I have seen, uh, like, medical cadavers. I've gotten to go through all the layers of, of stuff. And it's, I mean, you can kind of see that in Ryan, like in the models, the way that they've kind of broken down these, the the human body into layers or shreds of it. And and I yeah. love how it's so, uh, it's so like uh, dependent on what, what, posi- like what part of the narrative that Larkin is talking about. Um, of his narrative of his life story rather wherein like for example when he's when landris shows him the one of the original frames from walking 
part of his face starts to reform again. Yeah. There's just so many fascinating touches like that. Have you ever seen, uh, like, been to Body Worlds? I have not. Uh, I've seen some, like, I've seen some, uh, you know, photos and stuff like that from the displays. In in my quote-unquote research for this episode, I went to the Body Worlds um, Wikipedia page, because I'm a thorough researcher. Absolutely. And under their controversy section, there's <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight subheadings. Yep. <laughs> Uh, well, it's, they did find that a lot of the bodies they were using, it's like, huh, hey, um, hey, bud, uh, a lot of these bodies that you're getting have, like, a single bullet hole in the same spot. Hey, Gunther, where, where are you getting your bodies from, my guy? What, what, like, when, when the first one is consent, it's like, well, shut the entirety of body worlds down, because the fact that there is even that question pr- prompted means yeah. something's fucked up. Yeah, and, like, and that's just Body Worlds. Like, Body Worlds has a lot of, because of its size and popularity, it has a lot of scrutiny. There are a lot mm-hmm. of Body Worlds knockoffs <laughs> that have risen and fallen in the time of its existence, where it's like, oh, that's, that's very illegal. <laughs> God. Uh, so, <clears throat> just touching briefly on this, because I don't think uh, either of us are qualified to explain it, but... Um, to because with uh with Brian uh, Landreth did a used a lot of animation techniques which uh are very complex and intricate and really complement one another. One of them was a software program to essentially rig the uh colored threads that wrap around both uh, Landreth and Brian's face. And that was all done through mathematical algorithms and thinking about that and trying to read and understand how it worked hurt my brain a lot. Yeah, I didn't even try. Like I don't, shouldn't bring it up because that just don't, that just shows don't, how little I know. But don't don't bring math into cartoons. Just don't do it. Don't bring math into the, un, unless you are. Um... Shit, I had something. Here. Unless you're Schoolhouse Rock, do not bring math into cartoons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, agreed. <laughs> uh, so again, just touching briefly on the legacy of Ryan the film. Uh, this did win the Academy Award for Best Animated Short in two thousand four. Very well deserved, I feel. Absolutely. And I think to date that was the last uh, Canadian entry to that ca- category. Yeah, I mean that sounds right. I mean, and there's kind of like a a, a serendipity to that, wherein wh- wherein Ryan's film uh, Walking can get nominated, but the film about Ryan can win. Oof. I'm sure he's he didn't mind. Oh yeah. It, it got him work. And it got him another job, and then you know he died of cancer three years later anyway, because life is suffering. Yeah, that's that's a sad kind of. Uh, quota coda to this uh film is that oh i know 2006 of the danish poet also won oh yeah oh that's gonna be but another yeah. nfb pick from me one day that's a good one yeah that, that's more <laughs> that's more lighthearted than ryan i mean the bar is so low for more lighthearted than ryan <laughs> yeah and like that's not as underselling or overselling it this is a very depressing film uh it's yeah. 
ironically Content very warning. sobering. <laughs> and, but it's but it's just flat out brilliant. It's gorgeous. And everyone I just go love watch the Ryan. Way... Everyone go watch Ryan. Uh and the Log Driver's Waltz, by the way. Uh in that order. I don't think no. we no, other order. Log Driver's Waltz, then Ryan. I don't think there is a good order, but Real, the order of this feel... episode. It's it's like the um the My Neighbor Totoro Grave of the Fireflies problem all over again. <laughs> <laughs> again, I, as I said, it's like, what, what was the the thing I messaged you? It was like, uh, oh, it's like like following up a hard candy with a shot of unfiltered bottom shelf whiskey. Yep. <laughs> But but I think uh, it should be stressed, uh, and I think I think we did mention this uh, on our last showcase. Um, all these films are free to view, both on the NFB's uh, YouTube page and their websites. Uh, so please take advantage of that availability. Or even if you're uh, the kind of uh, bougie middle class person with like a a smart TV, uh, NFB is one of the channels that you can put on. You can just have it. Yeah, and right now, uh, like, you can own Ryan for $6. Consider you can own it. a digital copy of Ryan for $6, and it I don't see why you wouldn't. It's a fantastic film. Uh, Rewatching it again uh, after my traumatizing experience of it when I was, like, 11, uh, I just really adore this film. I think it's a masterpiece, um, and I just think it's a super important entry into this nfb archive yeah and now it's a super important entry into our archive sure so <laughs> <laughs> this is ours now you made this i made this what why you gotta do that to landreth like that because <laughs> he hasn't told me i can't i gotta do that to, to ryan like that i would never do that right. to ryan like that right Ryan never hurt nobody but himself. Only him. I assume he hurt his partners. Given the way his conversation well, with one of them went. The, at the very least, there was a reason why they broke up. So yeah, I yeah. guess. But, yeah. I mean, life couldn't kick that man any more down the stairs than he was. Oh, absolutely. That's, I, would, I would never do that to Ryan. Landreth is fair game. <laughs> Come on, he's also talented. <laughs> he's a love. He's a fantastic animator. He's got some trauma to work through as well. I hope that since two thousand and four, he has grappled with some of that. Oh yeah, we should also at least touch on that—the fact that um, what what Landreth wanted to do with uh, the film Ryan, which is why this the, this film's meaning has so many layers to it, was work through his own experience with his mother, who is also an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah, he, he takes a takes a time after Larkin's outburst to sort of reflect on why he brought up alcoholism in the first place, and that it's because it's a deeply personal issue for him. And he, he saw firsthand the uh, destructive qualities of addiction, and mm -hmm. just really wanted to help somebody he respected. Don't meet your heroes, kids. Da, 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 da. And there we go. That is... Um, <laughs> that happy, happy note. That is the bitter medicine uh, that follows the sugar that was Log Driver's Waltz. Um, and that is... I guess we'll call that on our second NFB showcase. Um, 
what a what an emotional roller coaster we just went through. What a time. So so, so uh you... oh, sorry, go. Yeah. Nope. What did you have? Nope. I'm pulling the cord. Eject. I'm out. Well, now I'm just curious. Now I'm just going to stall. So, the listener, that brings us to the end of another episode of <laughs> Cartoon Night in Canada. Uh, thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Cartoon Night Pod. Or, uh, no, I don't remember the rest of the sign off. All right, I will just take it all over again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I thought you were going to get through it. I honestly, uh, I, I honestly thought you were going to get through all of it. Please give us a listen. Uh, or please give us a review. And, oh, you're still going. Uh, I'm still going. I'm going to still try. Uh, leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcast. Uh, give us a five-star rating uh, and tell all your friends and your family and your enemies about us. It really helps us out. Yeah, and so you can find me on Twitter at Cinema Creep. And you can find me on Twitter or the Clock app uh, at Sylvie Skeletons. And have a good one. Nailed it. What a train wreck to end uh, the fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was unhinged and I have no regrets. <laughs>